Hello and welcome to Not Working As Intended. My name's Heather. I'm Leone and today we're joined by Rebecca. Hi. <laughs> How are you Rebecca? I am good. How are you guys? Not so bad. Had a nice day out for a walk around Oxford Island with the two dogs. Yeah, well not Oxford Island for me but just out for a walk after lunch so that was nice to get out and break the day up a wee bit. So yeah. It's a lovely day. I've been working all day, so this is kind of me technically off work, which is quite nice. Do <laughs> you think the only way you subconsciously did some sort of exercise because we knew Rebecca was coming on today? <laughs> <laughs> that could be a thing, yeah. It could, maybe. <laughs> and I'll not check up on you, don't worry. <laughs> I was saying to Heather there just before you came on, Rebecca, I was like, I don't actually think I've been out for a walk in about three weeks, but I always feel better for it once I go out and get it done and just, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's so it's such a mood changer, like getting out, isn't it? Especially at the moment. Really? Yeah. But Rebecca, do you want to start off by telling us a bit about you and what you do? Yeah, um, so <laughs> I know I forgot, but um, <laughs> so I previously was, I'm still a, I'm, um, a PT, so I worked as a PT for eight years um, and gradually went into GP referral practitioner. so that's working with people with um, lifelong illnesses, injuries and disabilities. From that then I've went on now and I'm full-time working with um, Disability Sport NI and Live Active NI. Um, so uh, again I'm doing a mixture of things there, so I'm, I'm in gyms working and I might take sessions for kids adults and um, learning disabilities, physical disabilities and um, illnesses, a range of things and then I also coach the Craigavon Lakers which I suppose is quite local to all of us and um, in well it was Brown no obviously that's not there anymore but um, we'll be Craigavon Lakes and we're back up and running again so yeah quite, quite busy. <laughs> yeah it sounds like you've got a pretty busy schedule there to be fair. I would say it sounds like no two days are the same for you, Rebecca. Yeah, n never are, and um, because actually I'm still as I am still PTN. Some days I'm just completely PTN, and the other side of things I'm out coaching. So, um, every day is completely different. And my boyfriend I live with me sometimes is like, I don't even know who you are today or the next day because <laughs> I'm all over the show with my shifts are all over the show. So, um, but it's quite nice. It's not you know, your typical job. So yeah, it's quite nice, quite different. That's really interesting. So it is because I think um, we've sort of touched on before, like when you have a disability or an illness or a condition, you know, we each have our own limitations and we would talk frequently about, I think this is going to become a catchphrase for us, like no, no two of us are the same, you yeah. know. So do you find that then obviously when you're PTing with your clients, that you take a very person-centered approach? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so because I obviously started out, first of all, as just PT, so you have what I call your average sallies coming in and they're all like looking to just lose weight and sort of the typical thing. Um, where when I kind of went over to the GP referral side of it, I find it so much more interesting because I personally prefer to work on somebody's health and their well-being rather than losing a couple of pounds for, for like a week or for a wedding or whatever um, which is all great to do but that's just not my specialty and um, yeah you can never plan the same session for one person because everyone is 
completely different. And so say somebody's come into me with, um, trying to think, well, say osteoporosis, for example, um, it might affect somebody different to the other person. So um, you can never keep everything the same. So it has to be so scheduled. And yeah, one thing that I've kind of learned from my coaching side of things is always look at what somebody can do rather than what they can't do. Because if you do that, then you can 100% plan a session, like even just having that mindset, like being able to realize what that person can do, you'll open you up to so many other opportunities of things to do, which I'm sure you guys are maybe said before or used to yourself. Yeah, we love the idea of let's focus on what we can do. We've said before when people tell us, you can't do that, you can't do this, rather than well done, you're able to do that. It really annoys us. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know what? It annoys me too. And obviously, I'm kind of on the other side of it, but I, it still, it does definitely annoy me as well because um, I always think there's so many people that I see that are <laughs> so much more potential, and people aren't giving them the chance to do it. And it's, it's so amazing to do it. So a girl came in to me and was told that she could never, she'd never walk, she'd never talk, and the girl never was quiet ever <laughs> and then by the time she was kind of finishing with me she was starting to be able to walk and obviously it was a lot of work with physios and things as well but it was just so nice to be a part of that process and to prove that you know she never judge a book if that makes sense judge a book by its cover for everything and she always give everyone a chance to, to try to reach the potential Definitely. and do you think uh, Rebecca is there Obviously, with the whole PT thing, you know, you're working on the physical with people and you've said, like, it's better to acknowledge what people can do opposed to the thinking about what they can't do. So do you find then you have to actually work on people's, I'm going to say, like, mental psyche, you know, their outlook and their, because I find that would be something that would hold me back sometimes. I'll be like, oh, I can't do it today, you know. Yeah, it definitely, like, one thing, you learn when you start from PT is it's not just the physical. The physical is literally, I think, maybe 10% of it. Um, most of it is the, the mentality, as you say. Because um, I myself struggle as well to even sometimes be like, I don't even want to go near the gym or I don't even want to go and go for a walk like we were talking about. So I find a lot, not even just with the guys um, through the GP referral, Anybody that comes in through a gym is going to have that mindset where they're like, oh, I just don't want to be bothered. And honestly, I find it's probably the hardest thing. And sometimes to motivate somebody to do that is very hard as well. But it's just part of the job. It's just something you've got to do and um, sort of help people and push them whatever way they need to go, you know. So, That's yeah. it. Um, I know before I was speaking to you, I had never even heard of GP referral PT. Mm -hmm. And I had just been going to mainstream PT which obviously didn't work out the way it should have done yeah. for me personally. Yeah. Well GP referral it's, it's something I always wanted to do when I first started PT because it's so much more specialised and um, because when you are PT when you do your qualification you are basically just sort of putting like a streamline if that makes sense of like this is you're going to get uh, client A or client B and these are the two different types of people you're going to have and they're going to have these needs and they're going to have another set of needs and where GP referral kind of breaks down as I said the diseases or injuries illnesses that people had and, and helps them helps you sort of design programs where it's going to give the person a better 
state of life rather than oh just gonna lose as I said the couple of pounds that they wanna they wanna lose which realistically I would far rather be healthier than losing a couple of pounds really quickly and maybe doing damage to myself. So um that was something I always have always been mindful of and that's something that thankfully GP referral does. Um just in case anyone doesn't know what way it works is um you go to your doctor and your doctor can um to give you the local GP referral. Each council area should have a GP referral. And I know ABC area does definitely have GP referral. Um, and they will sort of push them on and say, right, I'll give you a six week session, they pay for everything. Um, and we'll go to this and they'll design a program for you to help you, to help you get healthy. Um, it is a really good program. Through Disability Sport, we actually do a program through what was Brown Open, <laughs> it'll be Craig Avon Lake. Um, and our MAD Orchard Leisure Centre, where myself or my co-worker Pauline, we take you for a set number of weeks and take you into the gym. So, for example, somebody maybe has a learning disability, and um, they wouldn't maybe fit into the GP referral criteria, where we can take them to the gym and get them comfortable, or people with anxiety or depression and things like that, we would take um, as well as the physical and um, sort of other injuries and illnesses too. But there is that option out there and as you say you know Kelly didn't really know that there was anything like that and um, sort of in the area so it is something that's quite important to be able to research into that um, and it's not very well known which I don't really understand why it's not really well known I don't know why doctors kind of push it but um, yeah it's definitely something Do you think is there I know sometimes I have been to my GP about different physical pains like I have quite a I have a bit of a dodgy hip it's not like that big of a deal but it gave me quite a bit of pain a couple of years back and they just referred me straight to a physiotherapist yeah. and physio just basically did like two two or three sessions with me and they were like there's the exercises away on you go is it more that like do you think is it something that like gps are just i don't mean all gps again not everyone's yeah. the same but I think is it something that is happening more often like that's a more automatic path to send someone down because they think it's a an acute illness or pain opposed to something chronic yeah so what I find especially with GPs was they were quicker to send somebody maybe that had like obesity or um a higher level of a weight issue to go to GP referral than physio because in their kind of maybe mind I don't really know again I don't want to put people into boxes but um they're they probably thought physio was going to do a lot more help for somebody because they ultimately maybe thought oh right it's an injury it needs to be fixed where realistically it could have been something that maybe needs strengthened um, and need that guidance there to be able to do that it's unfortunately just the way the health services that you only get a certain time especially with physios and stuff you only get a certain couple of weeks and they have to kind of push you on your way um, where the GP referrals can take that little bit more extra time as well. So I think it's something that needs to be used a lot more um, to the advantage of what it can be. So yeah, totally. That's it. Like I was finding, you know, I said before, I have knees that dislocate and I have muscle deterioration in my hip. And whenever I was going to the doctor and telling them that, they were saying, oh, well, we'll send you to physio and not not putting physios or anything down but they can show you the exercises but once you go home that might not totally be in your head 
or you've not been given the equipment that you need. Like at one stage, a physio was telling me to use my dog's like ball toy to try and work out the knots in my back that could be linked to my hip. And I was going, but how is that? How is that helping me? You know, in the long run. Because I know the like physios only, as I say, only get a set time with you. And usually, if this was this like through the hospital physios, yeah, yeah. Because I know you only get like a set, I think it's 10 minutes or something like that. Um, I've actually in the past went with one of my friends who had to go to physio um, and she has, she has EDS. So I had to go with her to the physio to kind of find out what exercises I wanted to do. So they invited me basically to be like, can you do this with her at home to make sure she's okay um, and to give them that support. But not everybody has that. And if you haven't kind of been through any of that and if you're sore, you don't know if you're if it's doing you any good or bad. So I I do don't get me wrong, physios are amazing and so so good at what they do. But I just feel like there's too much. They don't have enough time with you, and you don't get that extra support that you need to be able to maybe if it is a muscle weakness or um it's just something that needs strengthened to have the time to make sure you're doing the right exercises for you to help strengthen that muscle and to not put you at any more um to danger of injury. Yeah, that's it. And that has a lot to do with the pressure that's put on the NHS itself. Whereas I think if doctors were making more people aware of the referrals, instead of sending everybody to physio, then the physiotherapists would be able to have the time that they need to help more people in the long run. Yeah, 100%. Like, I have friends who are physios in the NHS and they always say themselves, they, they just don't get enough time. And a lot of them are at the moment kind of in one area for a couple of weeks and then they've moved somewhere else. So they might not get to see the same patient back and forth, which again, you can get mixed messages as well. So um, it's just unfortunate kind of the way it is. And unless you have loads and loads of money where you can pay and to go to the private physio, you know, sometimes it's quite disheartening, which isn't not very fair. It really is quite disheartening and then you think, well, if the physio can't help me, then that's it, you know, I'm sort of done here. Whereas I went down the route then of going to a PT, but no harm to the PT. They didn't really understand cerebral palsy on, you know, what I could and couldn't do. Like, for example, at one stage, they got me to do lunges and my knee popped out and that was me. I was done for the day. Yeah. And they had me lifting weights and the next day I couldn't move my arms at all because that must be something to do with the cerebral palsy. And I was messaging them and they were saying, no, this must be something that you've done yourself. And I was going, you know, no, I haven't. I came home and took painkillers and I can't lift my arms. Couldn't even brush my own teeth. It's crazy because, like, as you say, kind of what you've just told me, I've, I've heard so many times. And it is, it's really disheartening because... A lot of PTs, I feel like I'm bashing PTs here, but I really, I'm really not. But I, a lot of PTs kind of try and take on more than they can chew sometimes. So I personally find if I'm not comfortable or I know I can't give the person the support they need, I'll not take them on or I'll not, I'll not support them. And especially with CP as well, because there's so many different levels of CP, as I'm sure you know yourself, um, and it affects people completely different. Because um, in my work, I have people that play wheelchair basketball, 
PFCP and I have people that play boccia, which are two completely different sports, for example, and completely different needs, but they both have CP and they've been under that category. So I think as well comes with experience. So if a PT's never done any experience or anything with that, it, it's just a losing game. Um, but the PT would need to be open as well to be like, look, I've never done this before. Um, I need you to help me and let me know you feel this is working for you or what's not. Where some PTs are scared to do that. And I think we're kind of the fitness industry in itself is always if you're a PT, you have to be the best of everybody. And if you could take a step back and admit maybe I'm wrong, I got this wrong, I apologize, but I want to be able to learn. Can you help me? And um, it would open so many doors for so many other people, especially people with CP or other types of injuries or illnesses, to be more confident and to go in and, and maybe work with a PT and give them that time and let them let them help um, and let them learn. Like you think you're doing the right thing going into a gym and asking for a PT and paying the fees for your PT so that you're not putting yourself at risk because there's somebody there that's able to advise you, you know, do this, do that, but don't do this and don't do that. And they're with you all the time for fear of if I got hurt or say I was holding something and my knee did give way, there's somebody there to give me that support. But if they don't understand what's happening, you know, there's not really for any further that you can go, really. Like, I know yeah. that PT personally, he was, I think he was a bit afraid to message me after I had hurt my arms. It's, as I said, that is such a thing where PTs are almost scared to admit that maybe they've done something wrong sometimes and to ask that person, what can I do to help? Or explain to me more or do the research themselves into the person's condition as well and ask the questions. That kind of takes back to what I said at the start is folks what the person can do rather than what they can't do. So you need to ask the person, right, can you can you reach down, touch your toes? Can you um put something above your head without it being painful? So how much flexibility have you had? So it's those very simple questions that make somebody's experience so much better. And it's just unfortunate yeah. that not enough people know that yet. Just going off sort of what you have said there, Heather, I like for me, I don't have any experience of ever, um, you know, being with a PT when it comes to exercise. Um, but for me, I think one of the things that would encourage me to go would be, it should, in theory, in my head anyway, it would reduce the fear of injury. So coming from a perspective of someone who has had multiple abdominal surgeries, and I have a stoma bag now, and so I basically have no core strength left at all. And one of my fears is always that I would do something that is going to damage my core further, or I'm going to end up with a hernia. Now, I put preventative measures in place. You know, I use hernia support belts. I use support vests. I have followed a recovery program that was developed by a stoma company. So I've followed that. You know, I've done everything I could do you know from an individual perspective but I think having that reassurance from a PT would be would be something you could benefit from yeah a hundred percent and as you say you've followed the program before so see if you went to uh if you go to PT in the future see if you bring that sort of recovery uh program that you went through and just say look this is what I went through kind of explain your surgeries and how everything affects you and your own initial fears of 
you don't want to get a hernia. Of course, nobody wants to get a hernia, but of course, you don't want to be at that risk. So if you're able to say to them, look, this is what I went through, can you please, before we do anything, just have a look through that and, you know, get, you know, do your own research. Because at the end of the day, you're paying for service. So you should be able to, to put your trust into that person that they're not going to hurt you. Um, another thing I always I tell people to do, I don't know whether they do it or not, but um, a lot of people that I have who have disabilities and things tend to maybe do their own research and look into their own types of trainers that maybe specialise in that illness or injury or um, recovery. And I would usually tell if I'm going to PT, look, I've looked at this guy, he's a trainer, he's worked with people that have had the same surgeries as me before or the same um, specialised in the same um, disabilities. Do you mind maybe having a wee look at his stuff first and just make sure that you're comfortable maybe taking me and sort of see things that he does as well? I know it's a lot to ask and I know it's kind of scary, scary to even say ask somebody that, but if it's going to save you and make you healthier rather than get you more injuries, it's, it's totally worth it. Totally worth it. That's it. That's, that's what I did do. Like this one of these guys that I went and seen, he did have you know, the accreditation of working with people with disabilities and things like that. But I think it was more he just wasn't aware too much of CP because I'm sure, you know, as you said, there's so many different levels to CP and there's only so much that all different levels can do and there might not have been any that he's ever met before or have ever walked in to the gym and asked for him to train them like. Yeah, it, yeah, and as I said before, it is the tr trainers kind of need to know to just do their own research, yes, as well. But again, ask the person like, how does how does disability affect you, and just put it like invest a little bit of sort of time into the person before you go and start training them, because that makes such a, a difference. I remember many years ago now, although I'm only twenty six, I feel like it was many years ago. Um I had a lady in the gym and um she had I can't actually remember the full name, but it was basically um her rib cages had all fused together and she found it really hard to breathe and have the support and get the strength. Um it was something not something that I never actually come across before, but I remember I had to go in and kind of do the research until Right, how does it affect her? How can it affect her? If it gets worse, how can I help with it? What exercises work for it? Um, and usually, especially if it's chest-wise, usually working almost your back, so working your traps and your lats, which are behind your back, are going to do a lot more support than you would be putting the pressure on the chest, if that makes sense. Um, but I remember actually going on Amazon and buying her like a brace that would help her for keeping herself up straight and help her with doing exercises. And, It'd be, I know she appreciated it at the time, and it cost me full time, but I didn't care. It was, it was helping the person or the lady get to a bit healthier and feel a bit more confident in doing exercises. And um, she was an older woman too, so she just wanted to lengthen her life as much as she could and to keep herself healthy. So if it was only going to cost me a little bit of time and money, that was nothing to me if I could help that other person. So I think people need to be a bit more look outside the box, if that makes sense as well, for those type of things. Um, because that, as I said, a little thing can make such a change. That's really interesting conversation. I'm totally engrossed. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Just tell me to shut up if I talk too much. <laughs> 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 I just ramble on.
Nobody could say this, but me and Leonie's eyes are just like coloured to you. <laughs> oh, sorry, I have to look at it, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in terms of what you do with the wheelchair basketball and things, could you tell us a bit more about that in case anybody wants to get involved? Yes, um, I'm always looking at people, so <laughs> please come. Um, so I'll kind of start about when it started. So I think it was 2000 and... 18? Yeah, 2018 in September, um, we started the wheelchair basketball for Adam Lakers and first night we came down we had such a mixture of people. So for wheelchair basketball you can have cerebral palsy, a lower level now cerebral palsy, we can have palsy, you can have spina bifida, you can be able-bodied, you can maybe play it, um, hockey for example, the running game of hockey you broke an ankle, which happens in hockey, um, and your bones, it's all fused, your ankles all fused together, you're still classifiable to play. So we have such a range of people can play basketball. So that first night we came down, I had people um, sort of out of chairs, in chairs, had their own chairs down. And for me, that was quite scary because <laughs> I had never had all these levels all staring at me. And for me to do a sport that I was very new to me too, was quite scary. Um, but Fast forward now till, well, June. I know we're technically not on court or anything at the minute, but we have 15 players and ranging from 13 right through to like 65. If I've got that wrong, he's going to kill me. But <laughs> 65 are captain. Um, so we have such a big range of people. And I have such a love for the sport now. Like 90% of my week is spent of our work obviously spent like researching things and trying to help um my guys or look into what's new or just learning the sport myself because yes i've been in it for two years but like i'm still learning and it's, there's so much to take in um so yeah we we the lakers run once a week wednesdays um usually seven to half eight and anyone can come down and play um we do have a league in northern ireland this was the first year of it Unfortunately, we didn't get to play our last game because of um, COVID. But look, we're keeping everybody safe, so we'll not worry dwell too much on it. But um, yeah, so we have a league team. We have um, a junior section, hopefully in the in the future. So if anybody kids that want to come down and play, they can. So um, yeah, if you if you've never watched wheelchair basketball, it's one thing I would definitely say to watch because it's so high paced and so exciting. As you can see, I'm sure like not talking about it, <laughs> but um, I, I love it because you get people from all walks of life in it. Um, for example, on my league team, I have a, a guy who is an amputee um, and his daughter who's able-bodied, they both play on the team. Um, I have a girl who has cerebral palsy and she's deaf and she plays as well. Um, I've spoken some guys to find a bit of so a few fellas that um, have acquired their disability through accidents and stuff. So like as I say, all walks of life, but they all come together and play a sport they love. So yeah, it's, it's amazing. So. Actually it sounds really interesting. It wouldn't have been something I thought, you know, able bodied people could come and join in with. I thought it was a very sort of niche thing where you had to be a wheelchair user. Well, most of my guys actually either walk in on crutches or some kind of day chair but most of my guys I always say walk on walk into court and then we have the sports chairs there for them so sports chairs are obviously slightly different where the uh, wheels are tilted and 
and they have a different axles and stuff like that. But I have so many people that whenever they're finished playing, um, they would just get out of their chair. And I know some guys, you know, I'm sure you know, most people will know Brangle, Craig Avon, where they have the Ian Gallery. But you'd usually have people, yeah, with people watching, and you'll see them kind of almost be like, why, why are they getting out of their chair and walking away? <laughs> they're like, what is happening here? Um, and on the flip side of that, on our league days, we have, um, <laughs> we have one player in particular who comes out of his chair, like we're almost waiting right down to the minute for him to like come out of his chair because he gets that sort of into it. And, but I can see people that aren't in that environment, kind of especially in the galleries, looking like, oh my goodness, this person's come out of their chair. What, what's going to happen? And usually the people can just flip themselves back up and go. So it's such an amazing sport because it shows that kind of difference as in like anyone can do it. And just because you're in a wheelchair doesn't mean you're stuck to that wheelchair or you're one word I hate bound to that wheelchair. Um, because you can move so much. It does my head and I hear it all the time. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it's amazing. I love watching people that aren't in the sport to see it because we actually had our game day um, each there's five. I'm doing this on Mumbai, but <laughs> there's five teams throughout Northern Ireland and sort of each of us have to host a game day. And my parents actually came to the last game day to see it because they'd never seen it. My dad has never stopped talking about it. He thinks it's amazing. Like even he, he actually was like, I want to come to them all because it's so much fun and it's so like intense. And like he says, it's amazing what people can do. But to me, that's just like, that's normal but for somebody that's never been in that and I think it's lovely to see because it's showing that you know you are unstoppable you don't there's nothing that should be restricting you from doing anything so yeah, yeah. it's definitely something I would love to come and watch you know I've sorry we'll have to go once once they're <laughs> up and running again and everything you know what you can come down and I'll get you in a chair and I'll get you going don't bother oh absolutely <laughs> yes so much fun <laughs> That would be fun. <laughs> I'm on for that. <laughs> Watch you know what? out for those field clips. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I actually, um, I am totally one for trying to get the Lakers out there. So I'm sure, do you all know Mickey Bartlett? Like, yeah, the comedian. Yeah. He put up something about the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary on Netflix. And he's like, oh, I really want to go play hoops to win this over. And I got straight on. And I was like, Come down, Craig Allen Lakers, come down and have a go and get us going. So he has currently said he's coming down, but we will see. But I was like getting everyone down to try and just show that it's for everybody. So, yeah. And Rebecca, is it, you know, so you're there as a coach, is that right? Yes, I'm head coach, yeah. So how many, like how many people does that consist of to like run wheelchair basketball sessions? So we have there's myself head coach and then there's sarah and um, who was the girl who put my name down for, for the podcast and um, so sarah is my assistant coach but i even hate saying the word assistant because she's literally the same level as me there's there's no difference between us and um, but there's us two and then we have two volunteers and um, two fellas we have gary and kyle who help and um, because we have so many now different age groups and people that are playing for the league people don't really want to do league We've had to separate kind of into different groups. And um, so there is four of us that technically run it. But on the plus side of it, we have one of the uh, players' dads. Actually, we call him the mechanic because he comes down and like makes sure all the chairs are fixed and pumped, wheels are pumped and stuff. 
Um, and then we have our committee as well who run things in the background. So they um, work out the funding, they obviously are kits, which I have on right now, um, they kind of organise all that type of stuff. So there, if I had to do a number, I would say there's at least 10 of us kind of behind the scenes doing stuff, which it only looks like it's me and Sarah, but there's so many other things behind it, you know. So, And then we have um, Danny and Phil. If I don't give them a mention, they'll, they'll shout at me. But um, the, Phil is the Northern Ireland head coach and performance pathway. Um, and Danny, who kind of sets up all the clubs, so he's like the community um, aspect of Reach of Basketball Northern Ireland. And they both are also, I work with them and I work very closely with them. But um, those guys are the, the top and then we kind of fall underneath it. So yeah, there's so many people involved that you wouldn't believe. That's really interesting. It's it's great to hear about something you wouldn't really be aware of. Now I know I work in Brownlow College, which oh, yes, yes. obviously then quite close. And I think that would be a really good idea to even try and get the kids down to see one of the games or whatever. But I, I think it would just be awesome for them to see that. Yeah, we actually had we had Liz Moore over um, a couple of times because one of my players actually play or is goes to school in Liz Moore and um, he wanted his kind of I think it was the class or something to come down and see what it was like. So I've had them down a couple of times just to see what it's like. And the boys are when they first come in, they're kind of like, you know, what well, I'm always like, do you have any questions? And they're just like, no, no, no. As soon as you're finishing, they're like. Like, how do we do this? How do we join in? How do we? How can I get this? How do I shoot from this chair? And you're like, it's amazing because every every time people are completely amazed at how amazing the sport is and um and how hard it actually is as well. So um, it's really I really enjoy, especially for me for a job uh, perspective as well, seeing kind of the younger people come in to see it because it's going to help a generation as well, no matter what, and um, through all different aspects and um, disabilities and stuff, but. I really enjoy it because then they're so much more welcome and help anything else that happens from us. So, yeah, it's funny. I think it, it would be good to try and, you know, build friendships like that as well. You know, if you had a friend who was in the chair and they weren't able to go and play football with you or whatever, you could do that together because it's something that everybody can get involved in. Mm -hmm. We, um, I run a really active in, well, I keep saying Brownlow, but we all know Brownlow's not there anymore or Calvin Lakes. It'll be, um, but it's for kids who are 7 to 12 year olds who need a, need a sports chair for sport. So they can be able bodied walking about, but they need a chair if they're going to be doing any type of sports. Um, but we always encourage them, especially because they are quite young, to get, let their friends come down with them or siblings, because we have quite a lot of siblings. Um, and it's so nice because sometimes the the kids tend to be a lot better than the siblings and that might not always happen and then being able to show how they do something or how they move it's it's really nice and it's very educational for both of them so um we always encourage it for people to bring down friends or family just to see what it's like and to have a go and it helps understand so so much better it really does i think a lot of people don't understand the struggles that people have when they are in a chair and maybe that will give them some form of an insight into what we go through on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's one thing that 
a lot of my guys have said to me, you know, it's kind of nice for them to see that it is like so much different. Um, before Christmas, yeah, before Christmas, um, we had a charity event and where I had it for the Lakers was each Laker had to bring, so there's five people on the basketball team, they had themselves and then they had to bring four other people to run and play, preferably people that are not in charge or somebody's never played the sport. Um, and come down, have a go, and have a mini tournament. And hearing the conversations between family friends, being like, "How did you get that? How did you shoot that?" That was like, I never thought it'd be as hard as it is. And even pushing in a chair, being like, "How are you so fast?" And it was, it's quite nice because there's a bit more of that mutual understanding then from it, um, from something so simple. So yeah, it it, it builds bonds and it, and it has that understanding and support a lot more. It definitely does sound amazing. Like it, you're doing so much more than just <laughs> playing basketball. Yeah, and you can see, like, from your conversation and stuff, like you can hear the enthusiasm in your voice, Rebecca. Like your face is lighting up when you're talking about it. Like, is this like your baby? It really is my baby, and it has been for two years. And um, like most of my days, well, almost every day, I'm thinking. But I need to do this for the Lakers or I need to look into this and I need to contact this person to do this. It's, it's always, it's never non-stop. Um, and one bit, good thing that's maybe come out of lockdown from this is me personally, I've got to do a lot more um, CPD. So obviously learning a little bit more and doing a lot more research into um, the sport. And Phil, who I work with, he, me and him about once a week, maybe twice a week, we do um, CPD, so we do three to four hours, and we're, we're both on Zoom, and he tends to have like a basketball court up drawn, and we're kind of talking about different defences, offensive players, and um, it's been, it's actually been kind of nice, I know that's horrible saying about lockdown, but it actually has been kind of nice, because it's given me the time to, to invest that time into that, and even for the guys, I kind of set them tasks every two weeks, which I'm sure they love, um, <laughs> to, to research different aspects of the game. Or we are quite lucky where um, Sarah's husband actually videos all our games, so we can rewatch any of our games. So I might give them an aspect of one quarter to watch and maybe look at um, say for the Knights are playing, how they play it against us, or vice versa. Um, so it's been quite nice to have that time. What sort of like advice or encouragement would you give to someone who is recovering from surgery you know just to try and get themselves build themselves back up build up their stamina build up their strength i know that i've mentioned two things there but just in general i suppose and um, yeah so kind of anybody any type of surgery or anything and um, i would always say is to take your recovery as slow as you need to so don't rush anything and um, and especially getting back into exercise, don't do it until your doctor has given you the all clear. Um, because I've seen people have just went straight back in and had a reverse effect on themselves. Yeah. Um, for working on stamina and strength, so kind of go with stamina first. Um, I would say, obviously, kind of have a disability or not, or if you're in a chair or not, um, start off with just going for a nice short walk. So whether that's half a mile, a mile, or if you're in a chair, push and, and see how you feel. Don't do it every day. Do it maybe twice a week, three times a week for the first couple of weeks and then gradually kind of build that up. Um, in terms of strength, 
people totally underestimate, which maybe they don't know because of lockdown, um, body weight exercises. So your simple sitting down to a chair and stand up again, which is like the aspect of a squat, um, and your resistance band, using them until you feel you're kind of almost 100% re you're recovered and you feel like you can maybe push yourself a little bit more. Um, I would do something like that for six to eight weeks, see how you feel, if you feel you need a regress or progress, um, that's obviously when you're maybe bringing your weights or join a gym or whatever is more comfortable. But straight back to basics, just keep everything very basic and keep everything very functional. So by that I mean, just go in and start just doing bicep rolls <laughs> and do things that you're going to be using every day. So squats always a great one because you're you're sitting down seats, you're getting back up, especially with different types of surgery that will you'll be bringing in those muscles and. Um, and walking and anything like that is it's really gonna help. Um even sometimes I, I always say to guys, can you carry your groceries? Can you you know, do you feel any different from before you should after surgery carrying your groceries? And um, just to, even your grip strength and everything can go. So if things like that there you need to just again take your time and just test test the waters but don't go all in and lift a crazy heavy weight and think oh i've hurt myself well that's why <laughs> you know so just take it nice and slowly and yeah so cool and just i suppose just to round up really if someone has been referred to you for example through their gp and say the gp has paid for or sorted say six sessions but mm -hmm. afterwards they felt they still wanted to like stick with you is that something mm -hmm. that they can then do themselves and pay for privately or what way does that sort of thing work it kind of is different for each gp referral now i know through the council it tends to be now from one council area is different from the other so for example the council i'm thinking of they i think they only allow gp referral for 68 weeks and then they have to just bring you on with somebody else they may say to you, especially because they're working in local um, gyms, they might say, look, this PT here is quite good. They understand I can, if you're happy, I can tell them what to do and pass on that way. Um, but I do know, like for myself, if I was working, I'll, I'll keep you on or carry on or I'll, or I'll send you on to the inclusive sport um, program within, for example, if I was in ADC, um, send you on to Colleen and kind of pass it on that way and then it, you almost get passed on but it's not it's not a bad thing it's kind of giving you that support where you need it because there's no point in you sticking with the GP referral when you understand what you need to be doing you understand what you need you, know, you, you can move on to those other ways and um, so it just it really honestly just depends on the GP but definitely if anybody is listening is something they're interested in ring up their doctor and sort of ask about it or even ring up their local leisure center and ask about it because it, it the service is there it's just not very well known about i think i'll be phoning the gp <laughs> <laughs> and do you know what put your foot down just be like i want this so please so yeah for it definitely well yeah well thank you very much rebecca for coming on and joining us today it was a really interesting conversation Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it myself. Yeah, no, you, it was good. good fun. Have you got any final thoughts before we hit the road? Um, I would just say that if anybody is interested in um, any of the things I've said, um, 
I can task Heather, I can pass you on my email and um, if you want to add us or something onto it. But um, always just get in touch, even contact with Bobby Ford and I if it's anything to do with the programs or wage basketball or anything. Um, and if it is anything gym related, then I'll just pass you my email and they can contact me that way. That's great. Well, thank you very much. No worries. Thank you. And me and Leonie will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.